0: All right. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, let's get pumped. All right. If you got your Bibles and you want to follow along, as always, we are going through the book of Romans and we have made it to Romans chapter 12. And uh, we're going to cover a whole five verses tonight, which is um, shocking. Five entire verses living with others is our uh, title, Living with Others. So let's start, and we'll just read our verses. Um, actually, we're going to go through verse 18. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. That word means to be, um, feel like you're superior, uh, to be prideful, to feel like you're better than other people. Don't be haughty but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, we have a, a saying, I, I guess it's a saying here in America. I don't, I don't know if they use this, say, uh, use this around the world, but we got a saying here in America And what we say is that's where the rubber hits the road. Everybody ever use that saying? And what we mean by that is you can plan and you can think and you can believe and and you can have all this stuff up in your head and even in your heart. But there comes a time where you have to put something into practice, right? You you have to test what's up in your heart and in your head. And there is a there are really two places in our life where our faith meets the test, where the proverbial rubber meets the road. Now, one of these we talked about last week, and that is with our money and our possessions. Listen, you can say anything you want to say. You can say all the right words. You can, you can put on the face mask and look like super Christian and all of that. But listen, the test, the practical test comes down when it comes to your money and your possessions and your home and how you use those things. That's where the rubber meets the road. Now, we talked about that one last week. I think there are two places uh, in our Christian life where our faith is really put to the practical test. That's one. The other one is living with other people. How do we relate to others in our family, others in our workplace, in our school, in our neighborhood, whatever the case may be. How do we relate to other people? Now, I have entitled this lesson tonight, Living with Others, because Paul, he gives us several commands about how we're to relate to other people or live with other people. And they're all different, but they all have at their core or at their foundation, they're they're all basically the same. They're telling us how we are to relate to other people. In other words, it tells us how we as Christians are to treat and live with other people that is in our life. Now, um, before we get to the verses, I want you guys to notice something because it won't take us long tonight to go through the verses, but I want you to notice something. All of these verses are calling us to not be normal, okay? All of these verses are calling us to not act like a normal human being you see normal people don't bless people who curse them normal people curse people who curse them right normal people don't associate with the lowly normal people want to be seen with the with the rich people and the and the and and, and they get all excited to to be around the important people we don't just we don't gravitate to the lowly that's not normal and certainly Normal people don't repay evil for evil. That normal people... Somebody slaps you, you slap them back. Somebody steals from you, you steal from them. Somebody gossips about you, you gossip about them. That's normal. Normal people don't turn around and do good to somebody that does evil to them. So the first thing we need to notice tonight is we're not... All these commands is calling us to don't be a normal person. Don't be a normal human being. Now... We are in Romans chapter 12. We're getting near the end of that chapter. There's 16 chapters in the book of Romans. So we started in chapter 1 and we've come all the way to chapter 12. And by the time we get in the middle of this chapter, Paul is making an assumption. And the assumption that he's making is that he assumes that we're not going to act in a normal way. He assumes that something has happened to us. In fact, he expects us to act in a way that most people would describe as radical, way beyond uh, ordinary. And one of the, th- the assumptions that Paul makes is that he assumes by this time in chapter 12 that the people that he's talking to have been set free. Now you may say, well, set free from what? Set free from ourselves. Set free from self-infatuation. Self Set free from self-exaltation. Set free from preoccupation with self, okay? But it's more than that. And I I want you to really get this tonight, that we're, we're being called so far beyond normal that it really is almost beyond our understanding. See, Paul isn't just calling us to be set free from self. He's calling us to something that, and that is to a life that is preoccupied with Jesus Christ. It's not about just turning away from self. It also has to be someone. Because, by the way, and I'll tell you this in a minute, there are people out there that are selfless, but they're not Christians. There are people out there that are humble, but they're not Christians. There are people out there that associate with the lowly, and they're not Christians. You see, he's calling us beyond just those actions. He's calling us to a life that is infatuated and um, and preoccupied with Jesus Christ. Now I want to show you this before we get to these verses. I want to show you what Paul is talking about and I want to prove to you what I'm going to say. I want to go back to the first part of chapter 12 in verses 2 and 3 and we spent a couple of weeks on these verses so we should be very familiar with them. Paul says this, do not be uh, conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, be transformed by changing the way you think So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. And then he says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Okay? So he says, don't think of yourself more highly. Now, what would you expect him to say? What would you expect? If he says, don't think of yourself highly, but... I would expect him to say something, think of yourself as lowly, right? That's kind of the opposite of thinking of yourself more highly would be to think of yourself lowly. That's what I would expect him to say, but that's not what he said. He didn't tell us to think of ourselves lowly. Now, I want to think through this for just a moment, if we can. If I ask you tonight, what is the opposite of being prideful and haughty? And again, that word haughty means To be superior, feel superior, even to be condescending toward other people. What is the the opposite of being that kind of person? Well, many of you would say, well, the opposite of pride is humility. And humility, a humble person doesn't think of themselves, they think of others. A humble person doesn't exalt themselves, they exalt others. And by the way, that would be a good answer, but the problem with that answer is it comes up Short. It, it just comes up a little bit short. And the reason is there's no God in it. Okay? I said it earlier, let me say it again. There are people out there in the world that are humble people, but they're not Christians. They don't know Jesus Christ. There are people out there that, that associate with the lowly, but they don't know Jesus. So we can give this definition of what a selfless person looks like or a humble person looks like. But if we stop there, we got a real problem. Is because at its base, that's just an atheistic statement. An atheist means no God there doesn't believe in God. And I want to make sure we don't just think that, that being the kind of person we need to be is just about dying to self. That's part of it. But the other part is falling in love with Jesus Christ. That He's everything to you. And you can't, you can't leave part of it out. You see the fact is even if I as a human being were to humble myself and and put other people first but I don't bring Jesus into the picture at the end of the day I'm getting all my needs met I'm 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 I'm, I'm putting my uh, my my source of contentment I'm finding it in serving other people my source of security I'm finding it in serving other people maybe even my salvation I think I'm finding it because I'm serving Other people. God's got to let me into heaven. I'm a a good person. Look at what I'm doing. But see, Jesus is nowhere in that picture. See, in the end, I'm not looking to Jesus. What does the Bible say about him? Uh, For him, through him, and to him are all things. If you leave him out of the picture, you got nothing. I don't care what kind of person you are, I don't care how selfless and how humble you are. That is why Paul doesn't say, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself more lowly. He doesn't say that. Because once again, plenty of people who see themselves as lowly... ...and they don't know Jesus at all. See, at the end of the day, there's only one word... ...for people who try to find their contentment... ...and their security and their salvation... ...in anything other than Jesus Christ. And that word is pride. That word is pride. See, you may be selfless in your dealings with other people... But the fact is, if you leave God out of the picture, you have not humbled yourself before your Creator. And there's only one word for that, and that is pride. You're still full of pride because you will not let God have His rightful place in your life. So let's go back to what Paul said. Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Okay? So watch what he says. But, Think with sober judgment. By the way, that word sober means exactly what you think it means. It means somebody who's thinking in their right mind. Not somebody who's high on drugs or somebody that's drunk or somebody that's insane. It has the actual idea that somebody's, you've got your right mind. He says this, think with sober judgment. Think with a right mind according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you. In other words, let me paraphrase this. Paul says, have your mind transformed so that you think according to your faith. So that you think according to your faith. You see, somebody can be over here and they can be, they're thinking, boy, I need to be a humble person, I need to be a selfless person. And they, and they put that into action. But if they leave God out of it, they're not thinking rightly. They're not thinking according to their faith. A Christian is different. See, we come over here and we understand, yeah, that's part of it. But God has to be part of this equation and what He wants in my life. So the, what I want you to see here before we get to the verses tonight is the alternative of thinking too highly of ourselves is not just being humble. The alternative is to think according to our faith. And if a person has faith, they always put that faith in Jesus Christ. Right? If that, so it's all about Jesus. Jesus has got to be a part of my life and a part of this equation and a part of my humility and a part of my selflessness or else it's just another way to exhibit pride. So the alternative to saying I am all is not to say I am nothing. The Christian alternative to saying I am all is to say Jesus is everything. That's a different definition than the world would ever give you. So that is why you will always see that in a biblical Christian definition uh, of to pride or alternative to, to pride is not just humility, but faith in Jesus Christ. That's the true humility that you'll find. So faith, as we get to our verses, faith doesn't just deny itself and stop there. It looks to Christ as a source of everything we are and everything that we need. Now, we can't forget this, right? You and i I was having a conversation with somebody about this week if you and I are if you 're here tonight and you 're saved you 're truly saved. You are a Christian because God overcame your stubbornness and he overcame your blindness and he overcame your selfishness and he overcame your pride and he opened your eyes to see Jesus Christ for who he really is. He did that and he did it for you you didn 't come to that on your own he did it as the as the old uh uh, theology people say sola gratia sola fide and sola christus that means only grace only faith only in christ i love that i wish we spoke latin more it just sounds cooler in latin than it does in in Wacala county english only grace only faith and only jesus And it's in this condition, if you're a Christian, this is what Paul is assuming in chapter 12, that he's speaking to people who have been transformed supernaturally by the Spirit of God. And it's in this condition that I am now called to live with people around me every single day, not as a normal human being. The type of person that Paul is describing here isn't a person that's born into this planet, it's a person that is created on this planet. It's a person that is completely transformed by the Spirit of God. And it's in this condition that he's going to call us to some radical behavior. Absolutely radical behavior according to the world's standards. Now, let's take a look at the verses. And I want to look look at some of the people that he calls us to, to work with. Verse 14, he said this, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Now... I want you to just notice how absolutely radical this behavior is, right? Why couldn't he say, if somebody curses, you don't retaliate. If, if somebody does something to you, don't retaliate. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop and just say, don't do it back, right? See, the, why would he do that? Because listen, just not reta- people. you can have all kinds of motives for not retaliating. People don't retaliate all the time because of fear. Fear they might get punished. Fear they might get called out. Or fear, fear they might... Everybody with me? There's a lot of reasons for not retaliating. See, again, this isn't about so you can check something off a list. It's about your heart. It's about what's really down deep inside of you. So Paul is calling us to go far beyond just not retaliating. He actually tells us, bless them. Bless them. By the way, Paul is stating this here in Romans 12, but this is a paraphrase of what Jesus commanded us in Luke six twenty eight, where he said, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Let's just read that together again. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, let's make sure we understand what he's asking us to do. To bless someone is to ask God to look favorably upon them. To bless someone is to ask God to look favorably upon them. It is a, an expression to God of, of something that's in your heart. It's a desire for good. That person does something to you, and instead of, instead of creating bitterness and, and unforgiveness and all of this stuff, you respond saying, God, bless them. Do good in their life. Now, can we get really honest... <laughs> This is crazy. It really sounds crazy. You see, God is calling us to be not normal, not just a little above normal. this He's calling us to be this radically different person that this world really has, they know nothing about. I mean, it would be one thing, not just to want your adversary to have trouble. It's a whole nother thing to want God to pour out good things on them, to really want it from your heart, from the inside. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read this, for some reason, I just think, that's that's crazy, right? It, it literally, how many of you would be honest in that and think that almost sounds impossible? Doesn't it really sound impossible? I mean, our, our natural reaction. Listen, It is. As, somebody slaps you, you slap them back. Somebody gossips about you, you gossip back. Somebody does something to you, you do it back. That's as natural as breathing. That's just born into us. And he's calling us not just to retaliate, but do good to them. Pray for them. Ask God to bless them. The question is, who in the world, who does this kind of stuff? It's crazy. That's really the wrong question, though. If you really... Let's go back and reposition ourselves. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm indwelt by the Spirit of God. God has transformed me. He's changed me. And yet, I still read this, and it sounds crazy. The question I need to be asking is not who does this. The question I need to be asking is, God, how do I become that person? You want me to be that person. You're asking me to do it. How in the world do I get from a person who thinks that's crazy... Over here to a person that's actually walking it out. How do I get there? That's what I want to know. What do I need to do? What, what, what is, I mean, tell me. that Because that's radical. There's only one way. And it's, it, it's as plain as the nose on our face. You know, I'm, nobody's going to get up here with this great revelation. You're going to get there one way. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ and the working of the Spirit of God in your life. That's it. It's just that simple. It's not magic. It's not some special revelation you're going to find. It's not praying 10 hours a day or reading 14 chapters a week. It's being truly saved and have the Spirit of God working inside to transform you by changing the way that you think. In Luke 9.23, Jesus made this statement. He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, ...and follow me. Deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Every single day. By the way, you get up every single day... ...and you put take that cross. That cross is a, is a sign of execution. It's killing of self. Denying self. You do it every day. Every day. Every day. And you follow Jesus. You see, when we truly follow Christ... ...I'm, I'm, I'm standing here as a transformed Christian. I have denied myself... I'm taking up my cross, and I'm following Jesus. If you really, truly do that, then that old self has to die. That old self is no longer the source of my contentment. It's no longer the source of my security. It's it's just, I realize, man, this is just temporary. You really start to see that because you're thinking rightly, right? You're thinking through faith. And you understand there's something greater at work here. There's something of more purpose here than just that I get my way or I get revenge or I feel good about myself. And see, when that happens, if somebody makes threats to this old self, it it has no power over me anymore. Somebody gossips about that old self, whatever, and he's dead. man. (laughs) That's not important. That's temporary stuff. I got bigger things. Are you with me? I know it sounds crazy. I know it does. But, but the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you see Jesus, and the self gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the more nobody can hurt. That, that you don't even care anymore. You get to the point where it just doesn't matter. He's what matters. One other thing to point out here. Faith in Christ does something even more important. As it turns us away, and I just mentioned this, as it turns us away from self, what did uh, John the Baptist, uh, John said, he must increase, I must decrease. See, as self gets smaller and smaller, Jesus gets larger and larger. He becomes the source of my contentment. He becomes the source of my security, not you. You don't like me? It's too bad, but... It's all about Jesus. You know, you don't think I'm the greatest teacher that ever lived? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. Am I doing what he wants me to do? That's what matters. You just, your you're, you're thinking just completely changes. That's what Paul was talking about in Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not living this life, Paul says, Jesus is. It's not about me. It's not about myself. It's about him. What does he want? What does he need? What does he think? Listen, Christ blessed and forgave those who persecuted him. What did he say on the cross? Father... Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They Can you imagine? What would we have? you ever thought if you're on the cross and, and they're doing the things to, to you that they did to him? And you could have spoke a word. How easy that would have been, right? How tempting that. Oh, you think. How about said you're the son of God. Come down and show us. Okay. <laughs> I'll show you a few things. But he didn't, did he? See, he he blessed, he forgave. Listen, if you and I get up and quote Galatians 2.20, and we say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, if you really mean that, then you have to turn around and do the same thing. You have to forgive. You have to bless. Or else, that's not really true, is it? Self is still holding a, a, a big part of your heart and a big part of your life that's the one way that we get there. If you're here tonight and you've got bitterness and you've got unforgiveness and you've got things in your life and, 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 and you still, somebody's hurt you and you still got feelings and you think, man, I wish, I wish they would hurt the way I hurt. Something's wrong. And, and the one thing that's wrong, I can tell you, is that self has still got too big a part and Jesus doesn't have enough. Because if self dies and Jesus rises and Jesus increases, those kind of things fade away because your thinking completely changes. The root of radical Christ-like love is death to self and taking delight in the person, performance, and the promises of Jesus Christ. Once again, and I'm going to give you an opportunity later when we finish to come to this altar because I was just really prompted I think tonight that you know sometimes we talk about these things and then we say okay well you're dismissed but sometimes you need when you hear it you need to act on it and in a crowd this size there are going to be people who are hurting and people who have been hurt and you still got unforgiveness and you still got that bitterness and you just can't seem to get in get rid of it the answer more of Jesus it's just that simple if you really want to get rid of it More of Jesus. And by the way, you know, I hear people talk all the time about I want more of Jesus and more of this. Really, the answer is is less of self. That's what the answer is, less of self. Let him fill those areas and those cavities and those holes in your life that you've just been guarding. Let go and let him in. And he'll change everything. Verse 15. Paul says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I was thinking, um, I'm not the most, I've struggled in my life with being empathetic or empathizing with other people. I'm not the most empathetic. That's not my gift, right? Um, I struggle. If you come to me and say, I got a problem, and I'm going to say, well, here's what you need to do. I'm going to give you the solution. I'm not going to put my arm, you know, that's just, I've struggled with that. But sometimes people just need an arm around them. Some, Some people just need, sometimes they just need you to cry with them. Sometimes they just need you to rejoice with them. They don't need advice. They don't need answers. That's why one of the gifts of the Spirit is is empathy and encouragement. Sometimes just being there is is what they need. So what would stop us? And I've thought a lot about this in my life. What would stop us from empathizing with other people? Well, there's a lot of reasons. For example, we might be angry at them for some reason. Uh, We might be jealous of them for some reason. We might be, in most cases, too wrapped up in our own lives and our own families and our own business to even see what's going on in other people's lives. We just, we're just clueless sometimes because we're so wrapped up in our own stuff. Whatever the case, whatever the reason, all of those things have the same root cause. Once again, it's selfishness and pride. Too much selfishness, too much pride. Too much self. Too much self. Too much self. In fact, I would say that pride is the root cause of most cases where we don't are not able to live in harmony with another person. Can be in our marriage, can be in our family, can be uh, can be in a in a in a friend relationship, or a neighborhood, or a workplace. If there's disharmony, I can pretty much tell you, in some way, shape, or form. Pride's happening in one of those two people, if not, if not both. Let's look at verse sixteen, because this is where Paul addresses it. He says this live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, don't be prideful or superior or condescending, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I don't often do word studies. Um, I, I I you know, I don't really dig down into the Greek and 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 see what all the words means. I mean, most of the time, I mean, sometimes that's great, uh, but most of the time I don't really do that. But there's something really good about what Paul did, and that is the word associate. He said, associate with the lowly. What does he mean by that? It turns out that word is only used two other times in the entire New Testament. Only two other times. Once by Paul and once by Peter. Paul used it in, um, uh, in, in, well, first of all, let me show you what it means. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate. The Greek literally means to be carried away. To be carried away with the lowly. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, as I said, it's only used two more times. The first one was by Paul in Galatians 2.13. If you go back to Galatians two. Peter is eating with the Gentiles, right? In the Jewish religion, Jews couldn't eat, sit down and eat with Gentiles. But God had given Peter a vision and says, what I call holy, you don't call anything else, right? You go eat with the Gentiles. So Peter's in there, he's in their houses, he's eating with them, and a bunch of Jews come down from Jerusalem, a bunch of important people. And Peter withdraws himself from the Gentiles. He didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to have to deal with all that stuff. And Paul said this, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, talking about Peter, so that even Barnabas was, and there's the word, carried away with their hypocrisy. What he's saying is, is there was so much peer pressure, so much it's, all that it, it was just it was acting on them to such an extent that they got carried away. Everybody with me? Can you see what that means there? And Peter, he said this. You, therefore, beloved, know this beforehand. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. See, sometimes things can just pick us up and we get carried along with the the people, right? If we go back and look at it and we thought, man, I don't know why I did that. Well, a lot of times you did it because everybody around you was doing it. That's what what he's talking about here. You You get carried away. Now, back up one verse. He says, do not be haughty, but associate, and that word means get carried away with the lowly. Now, what does he mean by that? I think he did that on purpose. What he wants you to see is you're not just choosing to associate with the the lowly. You are actually drawn to them. There's something going on inside of you that is so powerful and so swaying and so affecting that you're not just associating with the lowly to check a box, that you literally have to do it. You're carried away to do it. Something happens inside of us that's so powerful, it sways us and carries us. I love that because that's exactly what the Spirit of God is doing. He is transforming us to be a different kind of person than the world has ever seen. You see, folks, this is what it means to be a Christian. We don't just make new choices. We are new creations. It's not about... Man, I read my Bible. Check. I prayed an hour. Check. I associated with the lowly. Check. No, it's about being a new person on the inside. That I, I, don't, I don't have to do it to check a list. I want to do it. I want to be that kind of person. That's what it means to be a Christian. Finally, this transformation leads us to think not only about dying to self, not only about how to treat other people, but it leads us to think about what's honorable. I really like this, verse 17. Paul says this, Repay no one evil for evil. And by the way, we'll talk about this more next week's lesson. He says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable. And that word honorable means beautiful and good in the sight of all. This is one of the things I love. Notice what he says. Somebody does something to you. What's your first reaction? It's to, it's to retaliate, right? That's almost your first reaction is retaliate. But notice what he says. Repay no one for evil, but stop. Think about it. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. See, a Christian is not, we don't retaliate. Because we have the Spirit of God, we have self-control. We stop and we think, what do I need to do? And Paul says, when you give thought to that, think about what's honorable. Think about what's good. Think about what's beautiful. Think about what notice, what, notice what he says, in the sight of all. Think about what you're going to do so that everybody around you will see it. Think about it. Do what's honorable. But I love that because we're, notice, we're not retaliating. We're not just acting out of instinct because that's not who we are anymore. We're not normal. We, we are radical. When Paul, now, I do want to point out one thing so there's no misunderstanding as we get ready to close here. When Paul says, do what's honorable in the sight of all people, he does not mean at all that people should become the judge or the final arbiter of what we do. In other words, we don't go around and say, well, if I do this, they're going to think that's the wrong thing to do. So therefore, I shouldn't do it. Right? That, of course would be nonsense. Peter in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Paul in 2 Corinthians 8:21 said this, "For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man." So what that tells us is that first of all, the Lord always comes first. He always comes first. We do what's honorable in His sight. Now, if it's possible to do, also do what's honorable in the sight of men, then great. But God always comes first. What he thinks is, is matters most. Now, again, we hope, we plan, we pray that we'll do these honorable things and men will see our good works and glorify God. That'll be, that's wonderful. That's what we want to do. But it doesn't always work out that way. The Christian should never delight to offend, but delight to win over. So when we, when, when we stop and think, how am I going to react to this situation? We always think, first and foremost, what is it that God wants us to do? But we also think about what is honorable and beautiful in the sight of the people that are going to see it. And that brings us to verse 18, where Paul gives us this final uh, encouragement. He says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, and by the way, it doesn't always depend on you, does it? Sometimes there's going to be situations that really doesn't depend on us. But he says, as much as you can, live peaceably with all. Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers. Christians should love peace. We should seek peace. We should want peace. That is a wonderful thing. So we do our best in these situations. We try to do the honorable thing in the sight of all. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We, we, we weep with those who weep. We don't pay, repay evil for evil. We bless those who persecute us and use us. And we do all those things. But in the end, we cannot guarantee that there's going to be peace. Okay? In fact, the same man who said, Blessed are the peacemakers said something else. He said this in Luke 12, 51. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, rather, division. Now think about that. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And then he says, but I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. Now how how do those two balance out? The point here that Jesus is making is not that peace is not to be desired. Peace is wonderful, and peace is precious, and, and peace should be sought after, but not at the expense of the gospel. Never at the expense of the gospel. Listen, there are two things in our life that we should seek after, and that is peace and unity, and they're very closely related to one another. Peace and unity. And they are wonderful things, and the Bible always encourages us to seek those things, but not at the expense of truth. Never by compromising the gospel. In Ephesians 1 uh, 4, 1-3, watch what Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the what? The Spirit. See, true unity is in the Spirit of God. That's the only place it's found. See, there are a lot of churches today that are seeking unity at the expense of the gospel. Oh, it's all about let's just unify. But they're unifying outside the sphere of the Spirit of God, if you will. If, you're, if, you, you know, if, we, if I get with somebody that doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that Jesus didn't atone for my sins, that there's another way to heaven, I'm unifying outside the truth of God. That's not unity, folks. That's a temporary peace let me tell you, the gospel must come first because only in the gospel is true peace and true unity ever going to be found. And we love peace. We love unity. We should seek after that with everything we have as long as it doesn't compromise the word of God. and doesn't compromise the gospel. Listen, we love peace and we seek peace in our lives with our friends. But there's always going to be people because the world sometimes doesn't want to hear it. They don't want the gospel. I was listening to somebody the other day and they said something so true that you, you, can, you can present Jesus as a good man and the world will accept that. You can, you can uh, you know, uh, 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 present him even as a prophet. Even the Muslims believe Jesus was a prophet. You, you can present him as a prophet. They have no problem with that. Present him as the son of God who died for the sins of the world. Oh no, long as he's a man, long as he's a prophet, but don't expect me to believe in him as God. See, I want peace. With, I want peace with others. I, I love peace. We want unity, but never at the expense of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray, Father, as always, we love you, Lord. we thank you for your incredible, incredible word. Father, we thank you, uh, I just, as, as a member of this church for many years, I thank you for the unity and the peace in this church. Uh, that is a God-given thing. I think we all understand that. We've all been in places where there wasn't that type of unity. There is a spirit-given unity and peace in this church. And it's all within the confines of the truth. That is a beautiful, wonderful thing. But help us to make sure that we keep that in our relationships, that we never, never compromise the gospel. Never compromise the gospel for the, uh, just so somebody will like us or somebody will agree with us or somebody will have something to do with us. Always seek peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, but never at the expense of truth.